Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Luke, chapter 19. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. There's a story about a local fitness center which was offering $1,000 to anyone who could demonstrate, are y'all listening? To anyone who could demonstrate that they were stronger than the owner of the fitness center. Here's how it worked. This muscle man would squeeze a lemon until all the juice ran into a glass and then hand the lemon to the next challenger. Anyone who could squeeze just one more drop of juice out of the lemon would win the money. Well, many people tried, weightlifters, construction workers, even professional wrestlers, but nobody could do it. Well, one day, this short, skinny guy came in and signed up for the contest. Well, after the laughter died down, the owner grabbed a lemon and squeezed away. And then he handed the wrinkled remains of the lemon to the little man. The crowd's laughter turned into silence as the man clenched his fist around the lemon and six drops of lemon juice fell into the glass. Well, as the crowd cheered, the manager paid out the winning prize, and he asked the short guy what he did for a living. Are you a lumberjack, a weightlifter, or what? What do you do? The man replied, I work for the IRS. <laughs> Copies available after service. If, 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 like. <laughs> This is a really great segue. That's why I had to tell the story this week. Otherwise, I could never, ever use it. So this is a really good segue because in our text, in Luke chapter 19, in our text, we are talking about someone who worked for the IRS. We're talking about a tax collector, and his name is Zacchaeus, who climbed in a sycamore tree to see Jesus. You're taking notes. I've titled this sermon, A Little Man Meets a Big God. We've got an outline for you. We're going to be looking at Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. And here's our outline we'll be working from. Number one, if you're taking notes, we'll be talking about the searching sinner. You will find that in verses one through four, the searching sinner. And then number two, we'll be talking about the seeking savior. You'll find that in verse five. We have the searching sinner, the seeking savior, and lastly, the spectacular salvation. We'll find that in verses six through ten. The searching sinner in verses 1 through 4, the seeking Savior in verse 5, and the spectacular salvation in verses 6 through 10. That's what we'll be talking about today. Luke chapter 19, saints, beginning in verse 1. If you're looking at it, say amen. Then Jesus entered and passed through where, saints? And behold there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a, note this, chief tax collector, and he was rich. 
And he sought to see who Jesus was, but he could not because of the crowd, for he was of short stature. And so he ran ahead and he climbed up into a sycamore tree to see Jesus, for he was going, Jesus was going to pass by that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and he saw him and he said, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must stay at your house. And so he made haste and he came down and he received him joyfully. But when they saw it, they all complained, saying, he complained, saying, he's gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner. And then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor. And if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. And Jesus said to him, salvation today, salvation has come to your house because He also is a son of Abraham. For in verse 10, saints, can you read it with me? For the son of man, can you all read it with me? For the son of man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Stop right there. Give me your attention. Just by show of hands, were you with me last week? You were with me last week? Okay, good. That's a good number of you. Then you know that the context here in chapter 19 actually begins in chapter 18, talking about the context in chapter 18, verse 31. And you can peek there if you like, as Jesus took the 12 aside and he said, behold, we are going up to Jerusalem and all things that are written by the prophets concerning the son of man will be accomplished. He's going to be delivered by unto the Gentiles. Jesus is going to be mocked, insulted, spit upon, scourged and killed. And the third day he shall rise again. So the context is Jesus has set his face like a flint toward Jerusalem, but now he passes through Jericho, which, by the way, in order for him to go to, our Lord, help me, in order, in order for him to go to Jerusalem, he did not need to pass through Jericho. He could have taken a different route. He went through Jericho for the same reason that he went through Samaria, because there was a woman that he needed to meet in Samaria. Remember the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman? He went to Samaria, which Jews don't go through that area and through that route. He went to Samaria to meet that woman. Jesus did not have to go through Jericho to meet or go through Jericho to get to Jerusalem, but he went through Jericho because he had a divine appointment with, guess who? Zacchaeus. Jericho, just for your information, Jericho is the oldest city on the earth. Jericho is the oldest city on the earth. Point number one, the searching sinner. We find in verses one through four, Jesus is on the road from Galilee heading toward Jerusalem. It's during the Passover. Now, the normal population for the city of Jerusalem, if you've been to Israel, you know the city's not very big. The normal population for the city of Jerusalem is 600,000 people. But during the Passover, uh, it would reach a population of around 2 to 3 million people. So the city is bulging. There are crowds of people moving, and Jesus is moving among them. And while passing through Jericho and moving with the people, he encounters a man in a tree. The man's name is Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector. Now, the Bible tells us, notice that he was a chief tax collector. I was doing some 
research, some study on tax collectors, and I've come to learn that there were different rankings of tax collectors. Um, they had uh, certain chief tax collectors were over certain regions, and they had tax collectors under them. Matthew would, was a tax collector, and he would have been of lower rank than Zacchaeus. The Bible tells us that Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector. Now, if you've been around here at Calvary Chapel, you know that tax collectors were hated by the Jews because they worked for the Roman government. Rome would require a certain tax, and the tax collector would collect more and pocket the difference. The Jews also hated the fact that tax collectors were Jewish, and thus they were were ripping off their own countrymen or their own people. Tax collectors were rated right up there with adulterers and murderers and traitors. People hated tax collectors. Now, if you think, listen, if you think taxation in the U.S. is bad, it was worse in Jesus' day. Talking about evil and corrupt, the IRS, I mean, the tax collectors, my bad, sorry. Tax collectors have always been evil and corrupt. In Jesus' day, get this, they had several taxes. They had so many taxes in Jesus' day, I don't know how the people had money to live because they had to pay. Sounds like our day, doesn't it? Because they had to to pay taxes. Get this. They had what they called the poll tax. This was a tax that you paid because you breathed the air. A poll tax, because you breathed the air. If you were a male, you paid taxes when you were 14 years old until 65. If you were female, you paid taxes when you were 12 because they believed that girls matured faster than boys, which I don't think so. Amen, fellas? That was a very weak amen. Some of the men are like, amen. And the wives are like, you better not say nothing. Say something. I smack in the church. Amen, fellas? Y'all still ain't there. I'm sorry. <laughs> Y'all, all right, I'm going to leave that alone. Y'all don't want to say nothing. All right, that's, that's okay. You know, because they say that girls mature faster than boys. Anybody ever heard that? Girls are more mature. Whoever came up with that? Probably a girl. So girls paid taxes from 12 to 65, and so they paid longer. They had the income tax. You paid a flat 10% of all you made. They had the ground tax, which is a 10% of your grain and a fifth of all your wine. They had the cart tax. They were taxed on how many wheels their cart had. That's incredible. They had road taxes and bridge taxes and harbor taxes. So Zacchaeus is hated and despised, but notice the Bible tells us that he wanted to see Jesus. He wanted, look at verse 3, he wanted to see Jesus, but he had only two obstacles to overcome. Number one, if you're taking notes, he had the obstacle of the crowd who was thick. The crowd was thick. And then number two, he was short. That's an obstacle. The crowd was thick and he was short. Now, one of the many things, look at me, give me your attention. One of the many things that I love about the Bible is that the Bible keeps it real. Can somebody say amen? 
The Bible, I'll wait while you clap your hands, because that's the truth. The Bible is the only truthful book ever written. Yes. The Bible keeps it real. The Bible tells it like it is. I, in our neighborhood, when I was coming up, we used to say the Bible, over there, we, say the Bible we would just say, tell it like it is. The Bible tells it like it is. And notice no political correctness here. The Bible says that Zacchaeus was short. No political correctness. We live in a culture. Have y'all noticed this? We live in a, a, a culture where politically correct, I mean, if you don't say things that are politically correct, people look at you like you got six heads. You know, you've got to be politically correct about everything. They got the, the show on TV, um, you know, about uh, um, the little people. And it's the, the husband and wife are, are when, when, when we were coming up, you called them midgets. Right? See, now look, y'all look all shocked. I said midgets. See, politically correct. They were midgets, but now they, oh, you don't say midgets, you know. You just thought, I mean, we live in a culture politically correct. You don't know what to call anybody or what to say. It's true. You don't, you don't even know. Like, you, a lot of people don't know. Can you, is it okay? I had a white person ask me this. Is it okay to call black people black? Or should you call them African Americans? Now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but I know you probably had that question too. Or should we call them African Americans? I'm like, look, I don't care what you call me. Just don't call me late for dinner. I don't care what you can call. Tell people you, your pastor is black. You can say black. You don't have to say he's, he's African American. The politically correct way is African American. You can African American, black, Negro, anything. And hallelujah. Amen. Some of y'all look a little shocked, but you're going to be okay. Y'all looking like, what? <laughs> you're going to be okay. Come on, breathe. Come on. <gasps> it's gone. But, but we don't know what to say. I mean, we, we, it's just so politically correct. You don't know what to say. There is a book. Listen, I kid you not. There is a book. Go Amazon. Google it. There is a book called The Official Politically Correct Dictionary. We have, our culture has gotten to the place where we have to have a dictionary to define how to speak to people. It's called the Officially Politically Correct Dictionary. Listen to this, and it has some things in it like this. If you have a problem with laziness, you don't say you're lazy. You say that you're motivationally dispossessed. (laughs) I call you a lazy llama bean. Now get your honey off that couch and go get a J-O-B. How about that for a book? Lazy Lima Bean. Off the couch. Get this. In this book, I'm kidding, this is not made up. If you have a problem with drugs and alcohol, you wouldn't be called an addict or a dope fiend. You are a substance abuser or chemically inconvenienced. I'm not an addict. I'm just chemically inconvenienced. If you have a problem with promiscuity, you won't be called promiscuous. Nowadays, we call it sexually active. If you have a problem with serial killing, just in the event there's someone in the audience that has a problem with this, okay? If you can't help but serial kill people, right? (laughs) You wouldn't be called a serial killer. You are socially misaligned or difficult to meet needs. If you have a problem with shoplifting, you won't be called a shoplifter. You are one who engages in non-traditional shopping. (laughs) We call that sticky fingers. 
stealing stuff, thief. If you're short or you're a midget, they wouldn't say that it wouldn't say you're short or a midget. You would say you are vertically impaired or gravitationally challenged. No, it's the truth. Gravitationally, Zacchaeus was rich and gravitationally challenged. But the Bible says he was short of stature. Every time I think of Zacchaeus, I don't know why, I can't help it. I think of Danny DeVito. I'm serious. Listen, I think I'm on to something. I'm on to something. If you want to make a movie, right, and you're going to make us some money, I say us because I'm getting a cut because I'm giving you this idea. Make a movie about Zacchaeus and cast Danny DeVito as the star. Well, let's move on. (laughs) The Bible says that he was short. Now, listen, this is a picture of him being short. This is a picture of all of us because the Bible says, listen, we are all short spiritually. Romans chapter 3, you take a note, you write that down, tells us that we have all sinned and come what? Short of the glory of God. We've all come short, not just of being pretty, a pretty good guy, but we've come short of the glory of God. Zacchaeus couldn't see above the crowd because he was short, but he wanted to see Jesus so bad, he did something very undignified for a rich man. He climbs up into a tree. Now remember, the fame of Jesus has spread abroad. Everybody knew about Jesus. The whole known world had heard about Jesus, had heard about this man who hangs out with prostitutes and sinners and tax collectors and drug users and addicts of every kind. His fame and heals people and, and touches people and forgives people's sin. His fame has spread abroad. Everyone has heard of Jesus. Zacchaeus heard of Jesus, who was the friend of prostitutes, and, and he probably, like us, recently heard that Jesus healed blind Bartimaeus. We learned that last week. And so he has to get to see this man. Point number two, the seeking Savior in verse five. Go ahead and look at it. Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus, and he didn't let anything get in the way. Not the crowd, not his reputation, not his money, and not even his height. He had to see Jesus, and so he climbed up into a sycamore tree, and he got the best seat in the house. Because he's sitting on a branch, the crowd is thick, heading toward Jerusalem, and Zacchaeus is looking below. And all of a sudden, Jesus stopped and looked up. And he saw him, and he said, hey, Zac, come down. I'm coming over your house. Jesus, noticed, called him publicly. Jesus wasn't embarrassed to call him publicly. And he wasn't embarrassed to take Jesus into his home publicly. And we should not be, listen to me, we should not be embarrassed to to publicly profess that we are Christians. Can somebody clap your hands like you mean it? Would you do it? We should not be ashamed to call ourselves Christians. And that's why, you know, from time to time when I feel so led, um, I'll have an altar call and have people stand and then... Uh, those who make a profession of faith, I have them remain standing. I have everybody else sit down, and I want everybody to see that individual who made a profession of Jesus Christ. I think it's important, and the reason it's important because if you cannot stand in this room with believers, is anybody listening to me? 
If you can't stand in this room with believers, people of like mind, like yourself, and stand at your feet and make a public profession of, of Jesus Christ and that you love him, if you can't do it in here, you certainly are not going to be able to do it out there. And if you, I'm going to wait while you clap your hands. I'll wait. And that's why I, I give you the opportunity to start getting yourself ready to tell people about Jesus Christ. I almost put you on the tarmac and say, okay, you stand in here, get yourself ready. When you go out there, you tell people you're a Christian because Satan is seeking to silence the believers because he doesn't want us. Listen. He does not want us talking about the name of Jesus because the Bible says that there's power in the name of Jesus. And at the name of Jesus, I'm going to wait. And at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. Somebody help me. Every knee shall bow. Every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Satan knows there's power in that name. There's no power in no other name but the name of Jesus. Think about that. No other name. Rodney. That does give you a sense of power. But not quite. Mike. Larry. I'm looking at Pete. Petey. There definitely ain't no power in that. (laughs) And I should be very careful because he's a really big person and and he could squash me. But, uh, you know, there's no power in any other name but the name of Jesus. And Satan doesn't want you to be talking about the name of Jesus and telling people about the name of Jesus and and, and being public about your faith because there's power in his name. Never be ashamed of Jesus. We shouldn't be embarrassed when we accept Christ into our lives. Did you notice this? Did you notice that there was no, watch this, there was no formal introduction between Jesus and Zacchaeus? Nobody, Jesus, Zacchaeus is up in the tree looking down. Jesus is walking by. He stops and he looks up and he says, hey, Zacchaeus. Nobody ever said, uh, Zach, uh, meet Jesus, Jesus, Zach, uh, introduce each other. Hey, how you doing? Yeah, man, how you doing? What's up? Nothing like that happened. Jesus just walked up, looked up, and said, Zacchaeus, come down. Now, why is that? Two reasons. Number one, because the Bible says that Jesus is omniscient. Omniscient, that means he knows everything. The Bible also tells us that he calls his sheep by name, and Zacchaeus is about to become a sheep. And I wonder, listen, I just wonder, this is probably the first time that Zacchaeus heard his name called out in a loving way since his mama called him down for breakfast. Because remember, tax collectors were hated. Nobody ever talked kind to a tax collector. Nobody ever said, oh, Zacchaeus, how are you? Are you having a nice day? No one ever said that. It was Zacchaeus, you tax collector, you lowlife scum of the earth, dirtbag, and more. Nobody ever said his name in a loving way but his mother and Jesus and Jesus walks, walks up, looks up, and he says, Zacchaeus, come down. I'm coming over to your house for dinner. And I'm sure that that did something in his heart. 
Jesus told him to come down quickly. I must go to your house for dinner. Our last point, point number three, the spectacular salvation in verses 6 through 10. Jesus, go ahead and peruse verse 6 through 10. Jesus invites himself over for dinner. Verse 6 tells us that Zacchaeus quickly came down and received him joyfully. And the idea is like a happy kid. He received him joyfully. Zacchaeus couldn't believe that Jesus would sit at the table and fellowship with him. And isn't that true of every believer? We can, you cannot believe it. If, if you are a Christian, you could not believe it. And I know you know what I'm talking about, that Jesus actually came into your heart when you asked him. And maybe at that time you were very burdened. Anybody know what I'm talking about so far? And, and maybe you were very burdened and you received Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And, and all of a sudden when you confess Christ and receive in your heart, your burdens were lifted. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yes, that's right. And, and, and you, you couldn't believe it. And you were overwhelmed. When I became a Christian, I couldn't believe it. I honestly couldn't believe it. That God had actually changed my life. I knew My life was changed. And from that moment on, realizing how God changed my life, I thought in my mind, if God is this good and God is able to change me, then he can change anybody. And I'm going to tell. I said it that night. I'm going to tell everyone I ever see about Jesus. I've made it my mission in life. I wanted to tell people about Jesus. I wanted them to know the God that, that, that changed my life. And so I, I, I became a street preacher. I, I, didn't, I didn't know what to do. And nobody ever, I didn't take the evangelism 101 class. Nobody ever told me. I just got dressed up on a Friday night. I went down to Oceanside, California, standing on the corner. And I just started screaming at people. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the media library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light. Let me be a salt.